the comic book pit. Okay. Densely packed snow, and that's why it's staying. Yeah, that's wackadoo. Notice this is wackadoo? Mm-hmm. 209th episode of Comic Book Pet. That's wackadoo. Nice. <laughs> it's what I do here. It's my job. I handle segways. I do not. I feel that I need a helmet when I ride a segway. That's a good idea. That's Great. a pun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You see them all the time downtown. I've never ridden one. It, it probably would not go well. I can handle I these know, tights. Man. They look kind of fun. Like, I kind of want to do that. Then we I don't go. know how good it is. And then we should take a Segway tour downtown. Right on. Or record it live. Nice. Well, they'd probably say, like, oh, here's this, and we'd be hecklers in the back. and be like, you're a jerk. You don't Falling know nothing off. about Pittsburgh. Is you that- just know how to do a Segway. That is kind of a, uh, you have to be sort of a double threat there. You can't really slack in one end of that job. You need to be able to ride a gyroscope and no history of Pittsburgh. There's no fake in the funk on either of those fronts. Yeah. I wonder if Rick Seaback can ride a Segway. Maybe if I had a hot dog on it. <laughs> oh, Sean Atkins. He's an institution. I like Rick he is an institution. I actually thoroughly enjoy him. He's very nice on the TV, and he's very nice in real life. Yeah, he's a nice in person, too. It's not just on the TV. It carries yeah. over. Yeah, he's generally a nice guy. I wanted to give him a hug, but I felt like it was too weird. Probably. Twice. I got to meet him twice. No, I got to meet him once. You took our picture. I did. I almost tried to put the thumb over the camera where you were, but <laughs> then you noticed. So I was like, okay. That, that's kind of you. <laughs> it's kind of you. So um, I don't really think there's anything in media to talk about this week. Uh, not really. Yeah, I mean, I'll lay off. I, I saw the Ant-Man movie. Uh, oh, yeah? I, I'll save my thoughts. I believe the uh, the Ding and the Duke will be back later in the week. And uh, I'm 
I'm, as is, I'm scheduled to do that show. I guess you can come too. There's no reason you can't. Um, but I'll save my thoughts for when they're here. And sure, if it lines up. I mean, Thursday nights is a little bit. You got Big Bang Theory reruns. You have to watch. Yes, I have to watch Big Bang Theories. Oh, yeah. Bazinga. Blarg. It's it's funnier the second. See, I don't know about that show. I I don't generally know about that show only because, like, some of it's funny, but then, like, then some of it's like it's pandering to um uh the bigger masses, which kind of irks me a little bit. Because they're like, oh, we're nerds. And I'm like, oh, you mother effers. I hope you choke on your checks that you're cashing in, you jerk. And like, uh, what was it, Stuart? I think the guy's name is Stuart, who runs and owns a comic shop, who is also, I think they just say he's an artist. And I don't know why I did quotes when we're recording and no one can see my quotes, but he's an artist. They didn't really say what he was. He might, they might have said it, but I didn't watch those episodes, but, but the guy's like freaking suicidal. Like every time he's on screen, like, Oh, I hope I get hit by a car or something, you know, like, dude, you run a comic shop in LA. Love it. I'm not saying working retail is like the greatest, but I have a uh, feeling working in a comic shop is pretty cool. I would think it'd be cool to own guy. one. If, if you can earn by owning a comic shop, there's worse ways to make a living. Yeah. And I, I think we, uh, we're, we're doing that. We're some of the worst ways. There's worse than what we're doing, but no, I mean, well, I generally, sweet, I, I think, yeah, I like owning a comic shop. Come on. And you, you're creative. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Like, that actually kind of put me off on the show. I was just like, you're a, d- a dummy. Although, I'd say, but a depressed artist type isn't that far of a stretch, though. Yeah, I mean, I get that, you know, artists are kind of... Some of them are a couple sandwiches short of a picnic. Nice. But that's what adds to our charm. <laughs> I don't know. Just the way they kind of have them on that show, it just they kind of that actually irks me more than the main characters of the show a little bit because it's like I don't know. They're just there's that stereotype. They're stereotypical nerds. Like. They're the ones that you think of stereotypes. They're the, the comic book nerd from, or comic book guy from Simpsons. Gotcha. And it's just all four of them. And, uh, I don't know. And they make science. But that's not why yeah. we're here. We're not here to, uh, lament the Big Bang Theory. I honestly thought it was gonna be you a sure? was a joke. Yes, I'm sure. And, uh. I mean, it is about comics. They do talk about comics. They do. I, I think I've said this before. Maybe even on this show that I, I had to call shenanigans. Uh, maybe not. Maybe some paint, uh, comic collectors do this. They were or, uh, putting their books away, and they didn't mm-hmm. bag and board them. And so I had to kind of call shenanigans on their uh, 
status as a fan. Although I'll be honest, you know, this is a uh, topic that I've is always kind of in the uh, back pocket topic in case uh, we don't have anything else to talk about. And it looks like the rainy day has come. Nice. Uh, do you, how do you uh, store your comic books? Do you put bags and boards and boxes? You just I, I I didn't I've never done that. You throw I have you I'm actually kind of lazy. I have like one long box in storage. Everything else is usually in trades and reprints that are on my shelf. And the singles. Not so much anymore. I mean, if I'm at the store, if I'm at the comic shop, I will probably buy one. Uh, like I was buying some, uh, Samurai Jack when I worked right underneath it, uh, right underneath the Phantom of the Attic in Oakland. Yes. One of the best shops in, in town, I might say. One of. Um, yeah, they're not sponsors. Don't give them too much. <laughs> Well, they're very nice. Anyways, uh, so being like the crack addict I am for comics, I would get off of work and look at the time and be like, oh, I got a few minutes. And I'd walk upstairs and, you know, I'd look around like I usually would. And and then I'd probably buy like an issue here and there, and like a Samurai Jack or I think sometimes I'd get like Red Sonia. I got it, like holy f there by Nick. Cool. So, and, and how um, do you store it? I don't. <laughs> I don't store it in good. I usually put it somewhere dry and hope that nothing happens. You insulate the walls with it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you line uh, the shelves. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, holy f is sitting on one of my bookshelves upstairs just kind of flopped over the shelf. So I guess, probably because I had to move it. So you kind you you know what you you just debunked my uh my Big Bang Theory theory in that they're not bagging and boarding their books uh delegitimate or discredits. I'll go with that word, it's easier for me to say. No here's the thing. If you're using me as a reference, I'm the type of common book reader where I don't, I don't like the idea of bag and board. Like, yeah, you know, you should take good care of your stuff, but you also got to read it. Like, I won't buy two things of the same thing. Like, I won't buy two Justice League number ones and read one and bag and board the other for prosperity. I don't. No, I don't do that. Especially since comics nowadays range from five buck, five to six bucks to four to three fifty, depending on what you're buying. Yes. No, that's crazy. You watching that? That's what I could do. Me? No. <laughs> Can you hear it? Heard it. <laughs> you did hear it. Hear it. But <laughs> pay no I, to that TV behind the curtain. Nice. <laughs> I don't see the point of that. I I grew up uh, with friends that would read comics and, or at least one comic book creator, he would just say like comics are you know they're good for reading. You read them, you love them. If you you always know if it's a good book if it's tattered. Like I had this one book, I read it from cover to cover, 
multiple times. It was a Spider-Man book. It was one of my favorite stories, though. It was by uh, the artist. One was I think his name was Lee Weeks and okay. um, Paul Jenkins. And I don't I don't think it was an Amazing Spider-Man. I think it might have been like Tales of Spider-Man or something like that. It was like in the late '90s, and it was just so good. Like I remember in hindsight, just loving the the stuffing out of that out of that book. I actually still have it. I think it's in my long box in storage. And you can definitely tell I read it because it was tattered front. Uh the pages were probably bent because it was in my book bag. You know, all sorts of stuff. And I love that book. I still have it. So <laughs> now the big bang theory guys you're right. You're right to pull their card because they present themselves as we're prosperity. And, you know, we got to save this stuff for prosperity and everything has to be neat and tidy. Like if you look at Sheldon, he you is a neat freak. He's, he's all pristine. He would back yeah. and board them. And he would. And I bet if you dig far enough. But he in did. That, I saw an episode. But he did. I bet if you dig far enough in those archives, though, they'll probably make a they'll have like a small conversation about it. About ah, back and forth. You think the cut is not tight? Yeah, I definitely sure. As well as I don't like how they present the women. I'm sorry. Like some, like Penny's funny, and the other girls are kind of funny. But I guess I don't understand like how there couldn't be women comic book fans. Like it seems like most of the women there are like, I don't understand why they don't like comics. Do they do that much about comics? I'll, I'll admit, I've seen a handful of episodes, but it's not like I'm president of a fan club. I don't think, like, their whole show revolves around them doing comics. They do a lot of pop culture stuff. Ah. Like, they do a lot. And I think some, like, like maybe half of their jokes are towards that. It's like if Frasier was a nerd, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't know how to say it. Like they use intelligent talk, but I I don't know. It's it's weird. Anyways, they yeah they use a lot of pop culture, and it's like the basis of who they are. And I don't know. I just I don't I don't like that show. It I mean I've noticed. It's like I don't know. I just don't know how to place it. Like it's funny at times. But then as you watch more of them or, like, you see bits and pieces, you're like, nope, nope, I don't want to watch this. This is, nope. It's good. I'm going, I'm going home. I need to poop on. It's like uh, Comic Book Men. I think we've had this discussion I on think so this too. show. I'm sure. Um, as is, is usually the place to have it. It may have been on the other show. I don't remember anymore. Uh, that's a show where... Uh, I watch it, but even I'm starting to see it getting rather long in the tooth. E- even by my es- estimations, it's long in the tooth. Yeah. To me, it's it's more like a train wreck. <laughs> it, it definitely it, It's like, yeah, you. every time I turn it on, I'm just like, I shouldn't be watching this. This is the most dumbest show. And I like comic books. Don't get me wrong. That's why I'm here. Well, it's not really about comic books. That's my thing. Yeah. But it's just like, I don't want to watch this. But then I'll watch 
two episodes and three episodes and then four episodes. And I'm like, why am I even watching this? And five and six and so on and so forth. But uh, <laughs> you can count. Good job. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, it's good. What's rather, good. Rather than spend the whole uh, evening talking stuff uh, we don't like. We can talk about the stuff uh, that we do like. Actually, are we still on the media thing, or did I just ruin your segue by interrupting you? You ruined it by interrupting it. Oh, so you're are fired. we still doing media? You're fired. Dan and Duke will be back next time on 211. But I just turned in my W9. Well, you, uh, you'll be eligible to collect unemployment. We'll do that <laughs> much for you. But you won't, but, uh, security will escort you out the building. What's no. Up? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, no, 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 you're not fired. It just, you have a demerit in your file now. No, you know, yeah. it's a good book and it deals with media. See, I can work with this. I can do all this, Sean. I'm fine. I'm a pro- I'm, I'm an old hand. Um, I'd say this is probably, I'm going to talk about a book tonight, sir. And you know me, I'm not really prone for hyperbole, but uh, I, I might be bordering on it here. Um, I, I'm talking about a book that I think might be one of, I won't say it's the, but it's certainly one of the best comics uh, on the market right now. And it's one of them books that uh, I don't think the folks are talking about. So we're going to talk about it here tonight. At least I am. It's uh, Prez from DC Comics. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the Marvel Swimsuit Edition from 1994. Oh, uh, no, no. Well, everyone knows that's one of the best comics on the market right now. That's not a, a, a secret. That that's, that's a true fact. But Prez from DC Comics, and mind you, sir, Prez is a scant $2.99, a rarity in today's market. Wow, really? Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah, no, it's, you don't find many $3 books anymore. Um, Which is uh, kind of a shame. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, they really have no business being this expensive. Um, I won't get into my little rant on why the digital books cost the same as the print books, but... What? Yeah, you ever notice that? Like, Marvel was... No, I don't really buy... Yeah, I don't either, but they cost the same. I don't think there's... The overhead isn't the same. I don't get it. But again, we're we're diverging. We're both going to be fired after this episode. No, I think we should talk about that. That's some crazy stuff. Well, All right, go. Let's talk about. Like, I don't like it. I don't like it either, nerds. All right, now moving on. Nerds. Uh, uh, no, Prez uh, number two came out last week from DC Comics, and I think I, I think it was you. Maybe it was the other guys I was talking about. Like. It takes place like 30 years in the future, and it's very much like a scathing indictment on our pop culture society. It's like everything that's going on now just amped up to the nth degree. And it follows this girl who's a, what's her, they keep calling her by a corndog girl, because she like got famous in a viral video. Like she worked at like a fast food restaurant and her hair got dipped in the fryer, and like she became popular because the video went viral. And then, like, it was during a presidential election, and there was a tie. And the way it works now, the votes, 
she ended up getting votes to be president. And like through the mm. whole campaign off. And and it's like you ever see Idiocracy? No, but I wanted to watch it. Although I do know the premise it. of it. Yeah, folks have seen it. It's not um it's not straight up Idiocracy, but it is definitely goes that way, particularly in their portrayal of our elected officials. It's funny because it shows them interacting with each other and they all are like teenage girls. They're all like grown old men, but they gossip and banter like a, a stereotypical teenage girl. It does not have much respect for elected officials, nor are they warranted. Um, but the, the main character, she, I mean, she is, um, she's treated with reverence. And you know, she's got a, kind of like a heartbreaking story with her father, uh, who's ill and dying from, a cat flu, as we find out. Just the, uh, pandemic du jour in future world. And just, but it's funny how the way the, uh, the presidential election is in a gridlock. Um, you see all the political wrangling as the Congress tries to lobby votes from each of the states to break the tie and elect a president. And then, spoilers alert, I mean, it is called Prez. The issue ends. They, they keep going each over trying to, like, gamesmanship. They all want something. Like, the senator from this state wants something. He'll vote this way in exchange for something. And the other will vote this way in exchange for something. So it's just this big game of giving somebody something. And in the end, the dummies end up electing Corndog Girl president. So now, yes. yeah. Um I said, I know, I mean, it's a takeoff. It's obviously invoking the character. I don't think, did you ever read Old Prez? I never read Old Prez. No. I, I've seen the cover of the first issue. Yeah, that's about it. But I've never, yeah, I've never actually read it. I almost wanted to find out, like, how is this teenager going to be president? And I almost kind of wonder if it took place in the future. Well, I don't know about that one, but in this one it does, and they tell you how, um, he's back. Uh, she is elected president, and uh, it's. I find it very well written. I enjoy the artwork. Uh, it's written by Mark Russell, drawn by Ben Caldwell. As I won't go through the entire creative team, but those are the top two. It's rather, um, like I said, it, it's on point satire, mm. and it doesn't actually seem too far fetched from our reality now. That something like this could happen. And I don't know if this is ongoing. This is a miniseries. I doesn't say it's a miniseries, but I don't see it getting to uh, number 275 either. But uh, I say right now, it's really, really well done. Really smart, really funny. It looks pretty. Well, at least maybe you can count on six. Oh, I'm sure. And can wrap it up in a collection. And, and then you'll buy it, because then it's a trade. Maybe. Probably not. Well, it all depends. Maybe I'll go to the comic yeah. shop and get one, get an issue. Yeah, I get yeah. issues sometimes. Gosh, get an issue. Maybe. Uh. You don't have to take my word for it. No, you know, no, you're not going there. Nope. I'm not allowed to invoke. No. No. No invoking the Burton. No. You're not Levar Burton. Walk away. <laughs> That's the, that's Sean Atkins' line in the sand. <laughs> I know LeVar Burton, and you, sir, are no LeVar Burton. Yeah, that that's exactly what I was going to say. You can take that banana clip 
off your eyeballs thinking you're Jordy. No. No. It hurts so much. <laughs> you go back and cry a little bit and remember that. If I had a banana clip on my eyeballs, I'm sure I would. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. Now it's your turn to discuss a book. All right. So this is why I wanted the. This is why I asked if we were going to media or if we're still talking about media. So again, I got bit by the spy bug a little bit. Because there's, like, three spy movies coming out uh, within, like, the next, I think it's, like, six to nine months. I'm not entirely sure. If I'm seeing ads now, I'm assuming. But they're all Comic-Con ads, so who knows. Okay. Uh, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Comes out uh, Friday. Friday, okay. That looks actually pretty good. I'm I'm actually a Mission Impossible fan. Yeah, the only one I haven't seen was uh, Ghost Protocol. Um, the J.J. Abrams one. It's all right. No, I saw J.J. Abrams one. That was, was Mission Ghost 3. Protocol. Oh, no, Ghost, Ghost Protocol is the fourth. Oh, Ghost Protocol. I'm sorry. That's the Brad Bird one. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Oh, yeah? Okay. Sorry. Are you uh, sure? You sure? No, I'm pretty sure. Three was J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I thought that was called. Was that just Mission Impossible 3? I believe so. It was. I'm sorry. I'm a dumb dumb. <laughs> uh, the other one was uh, James Bond Spectre, which I think is in like November. November, yeah, you choose when Bond movies come out, which sounds great because it involves Spectre, and they're bringing that in, and I'm yes. I love that. That's awesome. But what's really captured my imagination is um, the the new one coming out in August. Called uh, the man from Spectre, or no man, the man from Uncle, <laughs> the man from Uncle with uh, Superman himself, Harry Caliv, Cavill, Cavill. Yes, I, as much as I'm a superhero fan, like I watch those superhero movies, I think I'm more excited for that movie to come out than I am uh, any of the superhero movies coming out. Like I could see it. Like, what was it? Fantastic Four is coming out roughly, I think, around the same time as that movie. Um, Man from Uncle comes out in on August fourteenth. <laughs> Fantastic Four, I think, comes out July. It comes out um, Thursday this week. Yes, July thirtieth, twenty fifteen. That's. That's very much. If you're listening to this episode, it's out now. <laughs> what? Well, if you're well, not you. Not if you. Well, I mean, you're you're on this episode. You're making this episode. It's obviously <laughs> now not out now. But by the time it takes the, the gestation of an episode, from when it's conceived to when it's unleashed on the world, right? By time that the people at home are listening to this, uh, it should be out. Or it'll be out tomorrow. I said it all depends on how quickly I get this to Dan and he gets it posted. Right. It may have came and went. Who knows? But, anyways, that Man from Uncle trailer, like, I've been, I think I've watched that Comic-Con trailer, like, at least five, six times 
like at least once a day because it's just it's so exciting and it's just like I don't know and it's by Guy Ritchie so yes it's you know, already that, good for me that's cool I mean it does look interesting um I don't know if I see it or not I might I might not we'll see what's going on that week um the only thing that sort of is gives pause is this movie evidently has been sitting around for a while. I can um, believe that. It was filmed, well, I mean, it was like filmed maybe a couple years ago, and they just mm-hmm. couldn't find a good time to release it. And usually if, if movies are quote-unquote good, uh, that doesn't happen. Uh. So, I'm again, I don't know the full story, nor will I pretend to, but I do remember hearing that... Um, I don't think IMDb is a good place to find details on that. No, but I could see you liking it. I mean, if you like the spy genre, check. It's got a throwback to 60s kitsch. Double check. I am glad that they decided to do, uh, instead of updating it, they decided to keep it in there. Yeah. In that era. I, I have to admit, I never really watched The Man from Uncle all that much, so I didn't really know the premise, but... Me neither. Yeah, if you're going to have uh, KGB and, you know, the CIA team up and make it a big deal that they're teaming up, yeah, during the Cold War is probably the best thing to do. Makes the most sense. Right. Um, they, they filmed it in the fall of 2013. Oh, that's not bad. So that's really not, no, it's not necessarily yeah, that that long. See if we can find some dirt on what why it took so long. Well, maybe they're just waiting for that nice time. I mean, uh, it was previously set to be released in January, then was moved back to August. Um, oh no, it doesn't sound that bad. The, the reports I had read made it sound much much more um, insidious. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Karen, Quentin Tarantino was briefly attached to the man from Uncle. Oh, back that would have been great. He made Jackie Brown instead. Oh, well, well. So back well, in the 90s. Jackie Brown wasn't too bad. Yeah, I don't know. That would have been interesting. I don't know if they yeah. could have, I don't know if they would have permitted. Maybe that's why he left it. Maybe they couldn't do such a hard R movie with a licensed franchise. Maybe. Oh, do you know what Uncle stands for? Yeah. Uh, they've been showing it. It's like United something law enforcement command oh, something. You're it's, close. You're close. Uh, United Network Command for Law and Enforcement. You had the letters. You just didn't have them in the right order. That's fine. United something law enforcement command. So you were like, Uslick. Sean Atkins is the man from Uslick. That could work. Could work. Could work. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad that they they went in that route. And I mean, I can't. I guess I can't really say that I was a fan. So I guess I'm like you see. Uh, It'll be fresh to you. It will be fresh, as well as it. 
like you see the stuff that they do with the like some of these properties and they update it and I always kind of felt like you kind of lose some of that stuff like even when I see Fantastic Four I always think like it, it would be so interesting to see that during like the 60s a period piece I, I could get behind that like I think like if that Marvel took it back and then made a period piece Fantastic Four with George Clooney as Reed Richards Hmm. George Clooney, you say? Yeah, yeah. Well, who, who, who would you cast as Reed Richards? Oh, I don't know. I'm too close to the source material. Ah. <laughs> well, no, I'm not close, but I am. If I'm I had my drums. so I, I'm a big fan, so I don't, I can't think of anyone playing mm. those characters because I like reading them. I mean, uh, what was it? Chicklis played a pretty good thing. I thought yes. he was one of the best so far. I, I, I'm not I, looking forward to this new one. Yeah. Or the I, new I, thing. I'm not really interested in He doesn't have pants. Yeah. It was funny. The most I've seen of a personality for the thing was like on a Denny's commercial. I think it was Denny's. I'm not sure. It was some. Oh, where he talked? And I he think sounded he like some sort of teenager? I don't know. I, I didn't. I, don't know if he really talked, but he definitely explained emo. Like he was trying to eat a hamburger and like adventure called, and he sort of like slumped and was like shaking his head. I'm like that looks like Ben Grimm that I know, but it's like it's kind of messed up that in order to get a taste of like his personality, I have to get it from a Denny's commercial advertising the Thing Burger, <laughs> and not from the advertisements for the movie, in which he's yeah. the character of. Um, but anyways, going back to the spy thing, uh, I actually decided to pick up this one book that I heard good stuff about. Uh, it's by, sorry, folks. Did we discussed it earlier? Brubaker and Epting? Yeah. You know what we did? Right. I thought we were offline on that. No, we were offline. I like to think we're offline unless you're recording the whole thing. The magic of editing. Yeah, creeping creepo. It's just easier. Any rate, any rate. Anyway. Before I have to edit more. <laughs> I wasn't going to curse. Gosh. No, no. There's me with my issues, huh? So you read a book. I did. I read a book. It's, it's by Ed Brubaker and Steve Epstein, who are more popularly known for doing the Winter Soldier, Captain America Winter Soldier. And I guess they decided one day, let's, uh, let's do a spy thriller called Velvet. Uh, the subtitle is Before the Living End. And it's, uh, it's a story that surrounds Velvet Tem- uh, Templeton, who's kind of like your money penny in, you know, in, in James Bond. But then you kind of realize she actually could be a lot more than what we always thought that she was. And I kind of have to say, I really enjoyed the story. It, uh, it basically surrounds, uh, the death of one of their star agents who is kind of like your James Bond knockoff. I mean, I forget what his name was, but he was like the best of the best of the best. And basically he, gets gunned down in a in an alley. It's not a spoiler. It literally happens within like the first ten pages. You you'll see it. 
it kicks off the whole story and basically the issue is them trying to figure this out and velvet uh kind of takes it under her like it's more personal to her because she was a little bit more connected with uh the agent than she was with anyone else so and you know it, it is really good i I really enjoyed it. It's uh, a period piece. It takes uh, it takes place in the seventies. I think early seventies. I wish I would have took notes. <laughs> oh, let me I'm allow me. Velvet. Keep talking. I'll find it. I'll find what you want. Oh, we but you. you failed me. It is a it is a really good story, and it's like you find out who Velvet is. You find out more about the agent. Uh, seeing secret agents smoke a doobie in a car, that's pretty interesting. That was actually pretty fun. I didn't Did expect that. Yeah, because it's like, you, one of the things about reading it, you, you can't help to see like the, the parallel or the, uh, I'm gonna butcher this word, like, uh, the parallel lines between like spy fiction or like even James Bond in this book. You can definitely tell, like, the writer and artist have a love affair for this genre, and you just see James Bond and Money Penny. And so when you see them in a in a fast car, in a fast spy car, smoking a J, uh, as the cops start rolling up, <laughs> or, like, chasing them down because they're driving, it's a... Uh, you can't help but think like, oh, you know what? James Bond and Money Penny could, you know. Gotcha. But um, overall, I really like it. Uh, there's going to be more of it. I forget how many issues it is. But Seven hundred. Anyway. What was I supposed to be looking up for you again? Oh, I don't know. I guess maybe the time frame. Basically, it takes place in the past. You know, it's in the seventies and. And it's pretty good. I like it. If you like Avengers, not the com, not the Marvel Avengers, but like the British television show and that spy thriller stuff, you'll dig this. I know. I definitely will be checking this next at the next issue. And um, although I can't really say I, I care for Epstein's art. It's not like it's it's bad. I guess it's. It's just not my thing, but I think it's kind of growing on me. Gotcha. I can't, I can't see this book being told with another artist. Ah, well, that's... Well, you might have to. Maybe, but Unless in this particular case... Hmm? Oh, um, well, I was looking at credits, and it had uh, Steve Effing and it lists uh, Betty Brettweiser, I think that's how you say it, as an illustrator. That may be an inker, for all I know. Let me see. I have the book open because I knew I was going to forget a bunch of stuff. She did colors. Colors. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I should have known better. It's so far, it's lining up to be a really good book. And I, I will definitely be checking out the next issue. Like I said, I, I think that's my only drawback is the Steve Epstein art. I'm not saying that he's bad. I guess it's just not my flavor. You can say, yes. Like you can definitely tell that he has like a love for this, like just the way the panels move and 
the shadows just kind of just drape over the characters and the cities and and the scenes and and the tension the detail. Yeah, it looks but it does take place in the early seventies, by the way. It's not my thing. But I will definitely be checking out the next issue. Very cool. It was. Well, speaking of checking out the next issues, I checked out the next issue of a book that I enjoyed, also from the DC Comics. I checked out uh, We Are Robin number two. Oh, yeah? How did that was? I actually seen um, a couple ads for it or something online, and it looked pretty interesting. I'll give it uh, unexpected. I did not expect to uh, be two issues into it. I didn't even think I'd get the first issue. Um, I, I think, is it the last time? The artwork really caught me. It's, it's kind of got that cartoony, hyper-stylized type of artwork. Um, and the story follows like a group of teenagers who basically have all taken upon themselves to don the mantle of Robin and are patrolling the streets of Gotham City. And there is a mysterious benefactor who may or may not be Alfred aiding them. I'll put it this way. If it is, I know you don't read the books, so you're not up on this, but there was an issue of Batman where the Joker uh, cut off Alfred's hand. And Alfred was kind of down in the dumps and was not quick to have it reattached. So it's been kind of up in the air on whether Alfred got his hand put back on or not. If this one character is indeed Alfred in a disguise, he's got his hand back. Remember, Alfred is a trained actor, so he can put on costumes and go incognito. Wait, what? I always thought he was an ex... I thought he was an old British spy. Alfred Pennyworth is a uh, jack-of-all-trades. Nope, didn't hear about the actor thing. At least in one of the continuities he was. Maybe maybe not anymore, but... Anyway, so, like, um, it does follow this one character, Duke Thomas. He's sort of like the... He's the main character, if you will. And, like, the first issue ended on a cliffhanger where he's about to get uh, beat up by a gang of uh, underground bums. And that's when the the robbing gang intervene. And uh, there's a big... There's fisticuffs. And they save uh, young Duke Thomas. And that's when he's uh, basically recruited into the uh, the Robin organization. And he, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then he joins up with the other <laughs> Robins, and they go about their, uh, their if you will, first official mission. And uh, I, my guess, I mean, it could be Robin. It could be someone else. I mean, Alfred. I'm not sure who this is. My, my money's on Alfred, but I could be wrong. And then, it, you know, obviously the plot thickens, if you will, as they have their uh, big bad who is planning a scheme to uh, do harm to Gotham City. You know, that old chestnut. But yeah. I'll be honest, it's really well done. I did not think it would be. Um, it's, it's two of the new, uh, I guess you call them Divergence books that took place after DC's little uh, crossover event. These are two titles that came out of it. Um, President, we are Robin. Really, really well done. And I enjoy awesome. how it ties into, like, the Batman, uh, mythos. With a, a, a new spin on it. But, uh, actually, I did not expect to, uh, 
give it two uh, two thoughts, but yet here it is on the pool list now. And this one, I, I, don't, I guess I keep going too. I don't know. I could go for a while, but uh, yeah, actually, I was skeptical, but by golly, sir, it's a good funny book. Well, that sounds great. Uh, I got another book. Go for it. So last time I talked about the first part of Star Trek and Planet of the Apes. Well, this one is the second part. So, <laughs> or part two, as some people would call it. And I have to say, I like it. It didn't drop off. We get to finally see what uh, Charleston Hel- uh, Taylor's doing. I, sh- I shouldn't call him Charleston Heston, even though it's basically Charleston Heston. Uh, but we get to see what Taylor's doing, or at least we kind of figure out what part in the movie serial that this story takes place. And this time, oh, you know, I should probably bring it up, so... Okay. Sorry, folks. I had it all in my head, and then like I started thinking of stuff. So, but anyways, like you know, Kirk and the gang are back on the back on the planet, and they're in disguise. And but anyways, we we finally figure out what part of the I should probably finish my thought instead of rambling. We figure out you. where they are. Yeah. I'll just ramble for 10 minutes, and we'll just go from there. Ah, we've been doing it for 209 episodes. Why should we change now? That is true. That is true. And 60 episodes of that other podcast. Yes. That bastard son of a podcast. Yeah. Well. Anyways. Uh, we find out that these events are taking place, like, right after the first movie of Planet of the Apes. So, it's like yeah, it's like right after the first part, Nova and Taylor are like horseback riding right along the coast, but before beneath the Planet of the Apes. So we don't see uh, Taylor disappear under some rocks or I forget how he disappears. And that other guy that totally looks like a Taylor wannabe comes and looks for him. Not yet anyway, but... I have to say, it kind of, it actually made the book more interesting. Like seeing Kirk and Taylor kind of go, uh, and it wasn't like a fanboy thing, like from a character point of view. Like these two characters do not mix, especially when, uh, a, there's a point in the story where the prime directive comes up. And if you're not a Star Trek fan, the prime directive is basically like Starfleet's code. And that is, they don't interfere with civilizations. You know, they're like watchers. Like, or the yeah, watcher. They're totally like watchers. They won't mess with like any type of civilization. They don't want to mess up their evolution or whatever. You know. Yeah, like like Jared just said, they're watchers for the most part. I imagine if you watch the original series, they f a lot of it up. But anyways, so Kirk takes that stance. So, you know, Taylor's like, are you kidding? We can totally, like, take back this planet, you know, 
beat up these apes. We can reclaim this earth again. And Kirk's like, nope, we can't do that. <laughs> and you can see the gears in Taylor's head just turn like, like as the pages are going on, you can just see like, if I take over these guys, I can totally have that ship and totally take back this planet. And you want to, you almost want to, it's good writing because you think like, like in the movies, I guess you never really knew who the bad guy was, not to make it such a, a black and white issue, but like if you watch the original Planet of the Apes, you weren't really sure if you wanted to root for Taylor because he was kind of a jerk. But then again, I mean, he's on a planet of apes that are treat humans like livestock. They're, they're damn dirty. Yeah. And it, seeing that argument unfold in those pages, uh, it, it was a pretty interesting moment. So basically this part of the book, they're saying, okay, well we, Oh, and they meet up with Zira and, um, Cornelius. Ooh, well, that's a burden off my mind. Do you know who they are? Not but, at all. Okay. Jeez, I know who I know who that is because that's your um, one of your many alter egos. Okay. Quick review of Planet of the Apes for people that haven't watched Planet of the Apes, or at least haven't watched the good Planet of the Apes. It's been a long time in my case. Okay. Well, here's a refresher. Cornelius and Zira were scientists, and they were the nice people. They were the nice apes that were nice to uh, Taylor. They also gave him a nickname called Blue Eyes, because it, you know, that's what, that's what, uh, you know, human trainers do to apes. They'll name them Blue Eyes or whatever, so on and so forth. So, you know, flip. So, but they help Taylor get out of his situation. In the end, which it's a, I guess it could be a spoiler, but. Spoiler away. It's, it's a 40 year old movie. <laughs> yeah, it's 40 years. If you haven't checked it out, then sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the big more, the more big reveal is at the end with the, the Statue of Liberty anyway. Yeah, I'm they, they sure blew it up. Is, I did yeah. you all to hell. Yeah. So. Anyway, going back, what's a quick lesson about who Zero and Cornelius was? Uh, I forget why they needed to go into town. I guess maybe get closer to see what the Klingons are doing. So the Klingons are just messing it up, and we find out more. For people that haven't really read much or watched old Star Trek, we find out more what the Klingons represent and so on and so forth, as well as find out the ape culture of the Planet of the Apes in this book. And um, and it it's actually, it was a pretty good, um, oh, darn, I got caught up. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember the events in my head. But basically, they... Thanks. Okay, <laughs> right? That's right. Just read. Right. Just do a live reading. No, 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 not doing that. <laughs> Although looking it over, there is a pretty good scene where um, Kirk 
does actually find when he first finds uh Taylor and Nova. Uh he waves at him and he's like what does he say? Uh let's give it let's Oh, you know, I forget it. They basically says, you know, oh, they look friendly enough. And he waves at him, turns his head, and Taylor shoots at him. Like, why would you turn your head after waving at somebody? I mean, maybe they didn't see the gun. I don't know. I kind of felt like Kirk was sleeping on the switch on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're an idiot. Why would you do that? (laughs) Um, But... Uh, I forget why they had to go into town. I'm sorry, folks, at home. They had to um, get, um, one eggs of these days, I will remember. Yes, they had to go and get eggs and bread. But, um, but as they're planning this, they have to, um, oh, as they're planning to go into town and they're trudging off in true Star Trek fashion, check off. Gets, I think he gets hit in the head by something. No, he gets that whole put your hand over the mouth and faints. And it's Chuck Heston that does it and grabs the communicator and runs off in the opposite direction. Oh, he gets choked out. Yeah, I guess that's what you call it. I assume he's not dead, but, yeah, you know, yeah, you've always seen it like in movies. Yeah. He, yeah, he's knocked out. No, they kill Chuck off. This book says... Getting bold and making you know uh, what continuity altering moves. Nice, that would be pretty good. <laughs> but it and it ends like that, and I'm like, knew it, totally knew it that was gonna happen. Something was gonna happen, but not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. I was, I was, I was expecting Taylor to do something rash like that, and I'm kind of glad it happened like that. It was good. I, I definitely will find out what happens, especially with the next page having Kirk and Taylor like to, like looks like in there in a brawl over the, the mm-hmm. captain's chair. This is what you signed up for. Yeah. Do, do you think Kirk and, will uh, make time with a lady eight? I can see him get down with uh, zero. Yep. That's a very Kirk thing to do. Maybe. I can see it zero. You she let me just, know. She'd probably call him ugly, though. Maybe. And and then he's he like, would charm so her. Nice, but you're so damn ugly. Because he's Kirk, and he's a charmer. <laughs> yeah. Although, I kind of hope, if they do get in a fight, I really hope that the artist kind of picks up on that, uh, that the Shatner fight, like, scenes that he was always known to do. <laughs> I really do. I don't think we, I don't know if I ever saw, uh, Taylor do any much fighting. I think they're always, I think he was always just running away. But, so, oh, I, yeah. I know what I want to ask. Are they keeping that hack Perez away from this book? Frickin' right. I heard that guy doesn't have a future in comics. Jerk. No, I think he did a cover. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> he might. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Perez, what has he done? Only everything. Last time I checked, all he draws is like big, huge crowd scenes. Yeah, I said it. (laughs) 
Crowd scenes. Who wants that? Yeah. Give me talking heads. Exactly. Oh, sir. <laughs> I will, de- as, as the, the Velvet book, I will definitely pick up this book only for the fact that it's, it's classic. It's just, it's too franchise. It's that, this is the nerd side of me, like the, the fanboy where it's just like, yep. That's what I've always wanted to see. It's the right era, and they're it, they're doing it well. I Kirk sounds like Kirk. Spock sounded like Spock still, and Taylor sounds like Taylor. I would say something about Nova, but Nova really never said anything in the movie, and I'm pretty sure she never really said anything. Period in the movies, maybe something towards the end of Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Maybe like look out or Taylor or something. She was just there in a fur bikini. Ah. It's no There problem. we go. There we go. She was the innocence. Taylor was the brute. Don't know how that relationship would have worked. So Yep. I will definitely check out the third issue. Very cool. I was trying to say, um, I thought there was something I wanted to tack on, something I wanted to mention here, but. Is it the Toonzeum stuff? Um, I suppose we could mention that. Um, it wasn't that though. It wasn't that. Oh, sorry to drop it like that. No, it's fine. That's if, if you, if you draw comics, uh, and you live within the 10 county surrounding area of Allegheny, uh, the, the Toonsium is accepting, um, what would you call that? Uh, they're accepting, se- they're accepting sequential art for their next exhibit, their next local exhibit of, uh, comic art. So, if you draw comics and submit original page, we'll submit a scan first by July 31st. And then once you're selected, you know, give their original or work something out. It actually sounds like a really good show. It sounds like it's it's something that the Toonzeum will support your local talent. So it's nice. Check it out. Yeah. Tell your friends. I thought it was Submit. something to do with uh, media, but it could. I don't know. Oh, I was say it kind of ties in. Did you ever watch Rick and Morty, Sean? I think I told you about it. If not on this show, then on the other show. You- you did, and I kind of want to watch it, only because the characters kind of remind me of uh, Doc Brown and and uh, Marty McFly. There, there is a bit of that. It's um, got a real twisted Doctor Who vibe going on with it. Um, a new season just started this week, and uh, it was a pretty good episode. Uh, you can see, you can catch up at, online. I, I believe AdultSwim.com uh, features episodes. School. They were doing like a marathon on Sunday. We just logged onto the website and there was episodes just playing. Oh, have you checked out the the X Files stuff? No. Apparently, apparently, there is. I want. I don't think it's a new season, but there's a, a new. I forget what it is. I have to look it up. Well, there are just like a mini series, a revival. That's series. that's probably it. But Fox's doing what was like 201 days of oh. X-Files 
And I, they basically started it from the beginning, and I forget what time you had to watch it, but I assume it's like every day at a at a certain time, maybe like eight o'clock. I don't know. Gotcha. But it it sounds it goes all the way up until that mini series. I'm bad. I should have looked that up. I didn't really did. I was actually just looking at the man from Uncle like fifty two times. Gotcha. Well, like I go back to what I was saying, Rick and Morty. If you go to AdultSwim.com, you can watch uh, the entire first season and the season premiere on their website at your leisure. I'll just, I guess I'll have to. I think you would enjoy it. Just put that out there. I think I, I might have to check it out then, just because you said that. Do it. Um, no, no, I'm not. I, th- I think that's all we have for this week, uh, don't you? Yeah, that's it. We're good. We're good. Dan and Duke will be back soon. They have not forgotten about you. And I will be, be in the breadline, people. I'll be holding a sign saying podcast for food. Yep. You'll be back, too. We'll all be back. <laughs> yes. Take at the end of a, of a James Bond movie, Sean Atkins will return. I'll just put that at the end of all these comic book pets. No, nice, yeah. Sean Atkins will return in comic book pit number 211 or 12, maybe 13. The podcaster who loved me. <laughs> yeah. From Podcast with Love. As long as not. with Love. Her, uh, as long as not Her Majesty's Secret Service. Ugh, that one is... That movie's like watching paint dry. What? That's a good one. I just... it The end gets me every time. The end, but man, getting to the end. It's like two hours of him undercover in that ski resort. Oh, hey, It's like, oh, gouge my eyes out. Something happened. And then something does happen, <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. Well, unlike... James Bond and his ill-fated wife, Sean Atkins, we do not have all the time in the world. No. no we have to go. So this has been uh, the comic book pit number 209. I am Jared. And I am Sean, master of primates. Good. Fitting. Fitting. We'll, we'll use it. You can work on it for next time.